Well, church family, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. I am really looking forward to this next month of Sundays. I've been working on uh, sharing this vision with you for several months now. I've had to work on this, done a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of praying. Uh, our, our pastoral staff, we've been working and planning and, 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 and dreaming and visioning about what God would have us to do. And and I'm so excited just to share with you a very important moment, an opportunity that, that we have at Calvary. Uh, today and for this month, I want to be sharing with you, I want to talk about vision, about seeing what God wants us to do, about getting the big vision, and getting the big picture, and, and uh, talk about purpose, living life with purpose, living life at the highest level. You know, that's our mission statement. Can you say that with me? Let's let's say it together. Maybe it's new to some of you, and, and uh, we don't say it every Sunday, but we tried to encapsulize our DNA in our heart in one statement. That's not easy to do. But every word, every phrase in this sentence is very intentional. So you ready? Say it. Can you say it out loud with me? Let's say it together. We want everyone we meet to experience life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to say that again. We want everyone we meet to experience life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now think of what we just said. Uh, What does it mean? Well, let's break it down. We want everyone we meet. So no one is left outside our circle of love. Can somebody say amen to that? This is for everybody, Uh, every age, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic level, level and, and, and not even this country. Everyone we meet, everywhere we go. We want everyone we meet to do something very important. What is it? To experience, not just hear about, not to have a theory, but to experience life where? At the highest level. But let's be honest, guys. How do you experience life at the highest level? There's only one way. The highest level. How does that come? Through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If, if, you know, that's something worth living for. We, we, we have that purpose. And today, as we begin to look at, at, at a very important moment that I think that we've arrived at, what have we been learning over the years? What have we been doing? How, what's the DNA of Calvary? How are we going about doing the work of the Lord? Sometimes God will open up an idea to you that is so big, an opportunity that's so great, and, and so has so much strategy with it, you just can't afford to miss it. So I want to take some time and, and unpack this clearly and slowly and let us look at vision, God's vision for Calvary. Where have we been? Where are we now? Where are we going? How can we do the work of the Lord in a greater way? So what I want to do is I'm going to read several Scripture passages to us right now, right? I want you to follow along with me, please, because I want us to catch the heart of God. What is God's heart for this world? What's the heart of God? What's important to God? That's, that's critical. I want to say that. And here's the second part of this that's so exciting. I want us to not only understand the heart of God, I want us to come to recognize the privilege of fulfilling His purpose and accomplishing His plans. What is God's heart, and how did He choose us to be a part of that privilege? You know, everyone that I've ever talked with said, Pastor, I want to live my life with some purpose. I want to have meaning. I, I want to get to the end of my life And I did something that matters. I want to live my life as a Christian and make an impact. You know, when we're little children, little babies, they can only think about themselves. Their world is themselves. You know, of course, some people have a hard time growing up. You understand that. But but babies, you know, if they're hungry, they cry. If they need to change, they cry. 
if, uh, you know, if, you know, that's all they do. They lay around and scream. And you know what? We all run over there and do something, don't we? And, and, and your baby, your thoughts are yourself. And, you know, as a Christian, they're somewhat like that. As a, as a new Christian, we're, we're enamored with the, what God has done for us. And, you know, we want people to pray for us. And, and, and we're excited about what Jesus has done for us and coming to church and, and receiving prayer and, 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 and being blessed. And that's all great. But there's something that happens as you grow up. You begin to realize life's bigger than me. How many know what I'm talking about? You begin to realize that, that, you know, to be able to bless someone I love is even better than me being blessed. To be able to do something for another person is the greatest thing. You know what I find? A lot of people that, that are in this world that are lonely, they think their greatest need is for somebody to love them. Can I tell you that's not true? You know, the deepest need in a human heart is not for somebody to love you. It's for somebody that you can love. That's the most important thing you'll ever find. And so as we begin to work ourselves through some things, I want you to think about the heart of God. What matters to God should matter to us. Who matters to God should matter to us. Can somebody say amen to that? And then the privilege of being connected to that is just amazing. So let's look at these scriptures and let's be reminded. Now, for some of you might say, I know all this, but you know what? Every once in a while, you need to take your car in and get a tune-up. I mean, isn't that true? You know, you might be driving on that old oil about 20,000 miles. You need to go to the, you need to go to the garage. You're going to tear your engine up. You know, we... so. Christians need tune-ups. We need to tune up. So let's look at this. Let's look at God's heart. Matthew 28 and verse 18. We know the occasion of this. Jesus has died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. And, and he is now appearing to the disciples. He is letting them know what comes next. So watch this. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That was a critical statement. And I just want to explain this. I'll not stay there long. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, he forfeited the authority on earth that God had given him to represent his kingdom. So when Adam and Eve sinned, Satan stole man's earthly authority that God had trusted him with. He never got the authority of God in heaven. Heaven was never in question. Satan was never a threat. But God's authority, he originally planned for you and I to have, to live under him, to have victory under him. To be overcomers was forfeited when Adam and Eve sinned. And Satan, for all those millennia, was the spiritual authority on this planet. Jesus came, wrapped in human flesh, God in our humanity, on this planet, on Satan's turf, faced him down, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, shed his blood for you and I to be saved, went to the very gates of hell, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave out of Satan's hand, defeated death, raised from the dead, and triumphantly said, Now I have the authority from heaven and the authority on earth that man lost, and I'm going to put it in the hands of my church. It's a big statement. Authority. The right to use the power of God. The right to say the name of Jesus as we sang, that make mountains run and demons flee. The name of Jesus. So that's how he begins this. So watch this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, heaven and earth. So what do we do? Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of people that live like you, look like you, and talk like you. You're real quiet. Are you, is your Bible open? Is that what it says? If I say something wrong, you, sh you should give me the Aunt Esther look. Give me the mean look over the top of those glasses. What does it say? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In other words, what I've given to you, you have a responsibility to share with everyone on this planet. And watch what happens when you do that. And surely I am with you. Always to the very end of the age. You and I will never be closer to God than we, when we are doing what matters to God. When we are fulfilling, in every Bible I've ever looked at, if there's a heading within your chapters, this one says the Great Commission. It is what the church has been placed on this earth to do. It is the heart of God that everyone on this planet gets to hear about Jesus. There was a great missionary pastor a decade ago, or, or a generation ago, that asked this question. He said, is it fair for anyone to hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard the gospel once? Well, that's a powerful question, isn't it? It's a powerful question. Here in the United States, we're inundated with opportunities to hear the gospel. It's the heart of God. Everyone needs to know. So we're commissioned. That's what we're here to do. That's our assignment. We're given that by God, and it's an amazing thing. He trusts us with that. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. I've got to lay some groundwork today. I'm going to build on this message this whole month. I hope you'll hear every one of these. There, It will build and unfold as we go through the month. Now, Acts 1-8, we revisit this commission. This now, Acts 1-8, is the last command Jesus gives his disciples before he ascends back to heaven after being raised from the dead 40 days. He's appeared for 40 days. He has eaten with them. He has talked with them. They have touched his side. And it's on the left side. They've touched his side and seen where the spear was there and the scars in his hands. And they've eaten with him. And they know he's a physically raised from the dead. And his last command is this in Acts 1.8. But you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, why would they receive power? What was the purpose? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses. So he says the commission is to tell the world the good news of Jesus. The Holy Spirit enables you to do that. He's with us, he said. And where do we tell this good news? He said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were. So he says, you always begin where you are. For us, that's North Alabama. So he says, you'll be my witnesses in North Alabama and all Judea and Samaria around the state of Alabama, across the United States. And are we through there? No, he says, to the ends of the earth. What's the heart of God, folks? The heart of God is that He loves this world so much that He gave His only begotten Son that none of us have to die and perish in hell, but all of us could be saved. How many are thankful that's the heart of God? And how many are thankful everybody was included in that? So that's God's heart. That's our commission. That's why we're empowered. It's not for us alone. It's not to hide in buildings on Sundays and be blessed and no one ever knows what we're doing or what's going on. Never. But there's another element to this. And I want you to see that not only do we need to understand God's heart about who, what he wants to do and what our commission is and we're empowered to do it. But I want you to see there's a timing element here that I feel like the church misses. You say, well, you know, he said that was 2,000 years ago and things just go on. Oh, listen, there's a timing issue that's critical. I want you to catch this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Would you find that with me on your device or in your Bible? Matthew 9 and verse 35, we're here today understanding something called kingdom builders, something I want us to, to get our faith and our hearts and our heads around as we look to the next best years at Calvary. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, notice this, 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. What was Jesus' ministry like? Preaching, teaching, and healing. Now look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, watch this. What happened when Jesus was in the midst of these scattered lonely people? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask or pray the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What did Jesus say? 2,000 years ago, I want you to get this. He looked around and said, you know what, church? You know what, family of God? The harvest is everywhere. The harvest is ripe. And do you understand, all of us understand this, we live close enough to agriculture that every harvest has a shelf life. That every harvest has a time in which it must be gathered or it's lost. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, the problem is not with the harvest, the problem is with the workers. The problem is not that people need to hear the gospel and are ready to hear the gospel. In our anti-Christ culture in America today, you need to understand something. People are hungry to find hope and life. They may be turned off to religion and ritual, but they're desperate to know who God is. And the problem is not there's no harvest, no one's ready, no one's listening. The issue is we're not positioned to take care of the harvest. He said, we've got to get in the harvest. Let's go to John chapter 4. He ramps it up even to another place. We're in Matthew. Turn to John 4 and verse number 34. We, we see this. He just, there, there's an urgency. Someone say urgency. There's an urgency in the heart of God about the harvest. John chapter 4. God's heart is men and women coming to Christ. We're commissioned, privileged, called to get to be a part of what matters to God. It makes our life operate at the highest level. But guys, there's an urgency. It's not a side issue. It's not, well, you know, every once in a while, no, no, no. This is the main event. And so John 4, verse 34, notice this. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me. Do you know there's something about being in the will of God that feeds your soul on a level that nothing else can do? How many hear what I'm saying? You know, I was looking. How many of you gotten Joel and Caitlin's first little newsletter they sent back? Have you seen that? Email that back. I was looking at that thing. Look at this. Here's a brand new married couple. <laughs> I mean, I can't decide who is does is it, what's greater, Caitlin's love for Joel to go to Zambia, or Joel's courage to take a new wife to Zambia. I can't figure out which one of those is greater. But that, that, there's both of those I respect. And here's their first time. They just got on the ground. They sent them straight out. Here's a picture of a spider as big as my hand, you know, that greets them. And then they're talking about they've been out in the bush area, in a remote area, working with a new tribe that hasn't heard the gospel. And, and they can't wait to get back to their base camp so they can take a shower after a week. They've been bathing out of a bucket. I said, my Lord. And can I tell you something? They're in the will of God. And you need to know something. There is food for them that you and I have no idea how good it is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those guys in a tent in Zambia feel sorry for you and I that we have to sit here in these chairs in Decatur, Alabama. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's food, Jesus said. 
When you begin to partner with God, come on, God, not just be a church attender, not just going through the motion, but when you begin to realize this is the heart of God and I get to be part of the heart of God. And when I do the will of God, there is something God feeds me on the deepest level of my life that fulfills me more than anything this world can give me. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? A relationship won't do this. Money won't do this. Another job, another house, another car, another promotion, another title. Nothing will feed your soul like being connected to the will of God. Just amazing. So he says, guys, let let me go on. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Look at this. And to what? And to finish his work. How do we finish the work when everybody on this planet has had a chance to hear about Jesus? And then watch this. See the urgency? He just ramps it up. Verse 35. Do, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? See, we're always kind of procrastinating. Someday, someday. What does Jesus say? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Said it again. See, guys, we have to understand this in the church. The problem's not the harvest. The roadblock's the church. The problem's not are they ready the, the, the question is, are we ready? The, the, the issue in bringing in the harvest is not that there's not a harvest or nobody cares. The issue is, what have we done to get ready to bring the harvest in? What are we doing to cooperate with the plan of God? Let me give you one more verse while we're on this. I want you to see and catch this. It's, it's vital that we understand this as individuals in a church. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians 3, one. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. It, it says this so clearly. About the urgency of God. 2 Thessalonians 3.1 Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message, listen to this, of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. He said, listen, here's what I want you to pray. The same thing you heard everybody else needs to hear. And he says, and more than that, it needs to happen rapidly. There's an urgency in the heart of God For this world to get a chance to know what you and I know. It's the heart of God. It's the attention of God. See, he said that when you go and begin to make disciples, he said, I'm going to go with you. You know, here's what I understand from that. If I'm not going, he's not with me. He's with the goers, not the stayers. How many heard what I just said? He's with the people doing it. And he says, I not only want this to happen, I want it to happen rapidly. We Why? Because people's lives are at stake. So we begin to move it. So, so we, we have to catch God's heart. We, we catch the purpose of God and the timing of God. And we say, God, let us see our opportunity. For, for every one of us, think of this, to become involved. You talk about purpose. For every one of us to take ownership of the greatest cause on this planet. There are a lot of great causes. There are a lot of things you could do with your life. And at the end of it, you say, my life mattered. I did something with my life. There are a lot of things that we can get connected with that help people. But the greatest cause on this planet is what Jesus told us to pray. Father, let the will of God in heaven become experienced here on this earth. Let who you are and all you have become reality here. And to think the only way heaven gets to earth is through you and I, through his church. What does it mean for the kingdom to come? Why do we call something kingdom builders? What does it mean kingdom? Kingdom. That means the reign of Jesus, R-E-I-G-N, the presence of Jesus. What is that? When through us salvation comes to this world, through our words and our actions, salvation. 
people find healing and people find hope and people find mercy and people find freedom. That only comes through Christ. And you and I are connected and own are owners of stewards of the greatest cause on this planet. That ought to elevate your life. You know, hey, listen, if somebody doesn't like you, it doesn't matter. God chose you. It doesn't matter who doesn't like you. If somebody rained on your parade, get an umbrella and stay connected to the greatness of God. If somebody doesn't like you, love them back anyway, because we're connected to the purposes of God. If you got passed over for a raise, that's their liability, not yours. You're connected to the purposes of God. If somebody fired you, that's their loss. You're connected to the purposes of God. When you and I get connected to the plan of God, God takes responsibility to take care of us. He said, if you go, I'll go with you. If you stay, you're going to have to watch me go with the goers. Everybody with me? See, we are a part of the greatest cause on this planet. And when we connect and we get to understand this, that's why I've been praying, God, how do we do this better? God, how do we, how are we more proactive? How do we uh, uh, allow everyone at Calvary to have the joy of a life lived at this level? We, when we do this, guys, there are two words, two phrases I love. When a church begins to get this, something happens. First of all, courageous faith starts rising up. How many want courageous faith? Aren't you tired of living in uh, 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 always got a plan out faith? Come on. Aren't you tired of living in secondhand faith? Well, you know, if you believe, I believe, or you pray and I'll agree. What about courageous faith? Come on, courageous faith. Where your family looks at you and says, what got into you? You know, where you look in the mirror and say, what got into you? Courageous faith. Come on. You shocked yourself. When's the last time you shocked yourself and said, is that me saying that? Come on. And then you begin to live this courageous faith in the other phrase is uncommon unity. Uncommon unity. Why? Because we're, we're melded together behind the purpose and the cause of God. You know what happens why, you know, one of the privileges and responsibilities that I have not only pastoring here at Calvary is that I've, I've served in, in, in a position called presbyter and overseer uh, to help in a cooperative way with about 25 churches here in North Alabama. And when I sometimes I come in because the churches, I hope none of you have ever been in a church fight. It's the ugliest thing in the world. Division. Let me tell you, the, those two words should be an oxymoron. Church fight. Church split. Listen, God's in the multiplication, not division. You never read that in that Bible. It's ugly. It's nasty. The devil loves it. He celebrates it. Woo-woo. And I've been at times to try to help. And this is what I've observed. You know, a lot of churches get in trouble and get mad and split and fuss and fume and cuss at church and do things they shouldn't do. You know why? Because they have no purpose. They have no vision. You know, have you ever gone to the zoo and looked at the monkey cage? That's what happens to us without a vision in the church. They just sit around and pick fleas off each other. After a while, you pick enough fleas off the guy sitting in front of your church and he doesn't look very good anymore. She doesn't look good anymore. We, we forgot who we are and why we are, and all of a sudden nothing looks good anymore. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We, we become, you know, we're, we're, we're lions. We're created to roar and conquer and, and bring the gospel, and we don't know who we are. We get frustrated and we fight each other. I remember this is a sad but true story. Our, our coach in high school used to jack us up, pump, pump, pump us up to play football. And it was about a two-hour psych job. So just when we got out on the field, we were just crazy, you know, like Tasmanian devils with a football suit on. And I remember one night he got us all pumped up and we're fired up. And he told that team, talked about our mamas and talked about our girlfriends. And, and that, that town hates us. And I'm fired up. You know, I was ready to fight 
Attila the Hun without a sword. And we're, we're pumped up. And, and then the last thing they would do would give us two big sugar dextrose tablets that big. I'm serious. They'd pass them around. You'd throw all that sugar in your system. I'm like, uh, uh, I'm just going crazy. And, and, and so he's got us ready to go. And, and we're ready. He's trying to play football, you know. Uh, and, and, and they push us through the tunnel to run out on the field. And the, the, the school was having, it was homecoming or something. I forget. But the band was still out there. And we couldn't go out. Well, he had been psyching us up for two hours. And we rushed. We got all crammed into the tunnel. And, you know, somebody stepped on somebody's foot. And somebody shoved them back. And then he shoved them back. And we're fighting each other in the tunnel before we go out there. We're just too, you, what are you going to do with all that adrenaline, testosterone? And it is shooting. So the coaches had to push us out on the field before we beat each other up, before the game started. I've seen churches do that. All that energy and anger and fighting and animosity, they don't even know why. You know why? Because they don't know the call in their life. They don't know what they're there for and don't have a purpose. We ought to be out kicking the devil's teeth in us and being ugly to one another and doing the silly things. The devil deceives the church and we're wasting energy, time and effort, purpose, vision. God, what are we here to do? We begin to be a part of a church family that has courageous faith and uncommon unity. The impact of a church like that to bring hope, to act, to not just have theory, to leave a legacy is, is hard to even describe. And, 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 and I said the fulfillment in our life that begins to come. I love this. I want to say this to you. We get to answer yes to the big questions in life. Listen to this. We, we get to say yes to this. You're living to say yes to these things. Did I do my part? Did I do my part? We get to say yes. What about, did I allow God to fulfill his purpose in my life? We get to say yes. Did I live for eternity or is everything just about right now? We get to say yes. Did I get the big picture? Did I connect the dots? Did I do something bigger than myself in my life? Everybody with me? I'm laying foundation, but I want you to grasp why we're doing what we're doing. Did my life make a difference? Did I leave a legacy? Every What does it mean to leave a legacy? Well, let me say this. Would you want your children and grandchildren to live like you've lived? I got to live. A, I left a legacy. I, I, I cut a path. I gave an example. I did something that made a difference. I, I, my family knows who I am. And what about this? Did I live my life with no regrets? Yes, God. Yes. So I want you to look at where we are at this moment. It's such a, as I said, the word strategic moment. Our partnerships locally and around the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, are absolutely stunning right now. And the opportunities in the harvest are amazing. But we have to get smarter and proactive. How are we going to respond to this? Let me show you a little short video just to take us from North Alabama to around the world. Let's see this. Look at this. 300,000 missionaries in the world today, but only one in ten is in the unreached areas of the world. 7,000 people groups on this planet have never heard the name Jesus. 7,000. Three major religions comprised half the world. A third of the world, 2.5 billion, have never had the chance to hear the gospel. 2.5 billion. You can. There's Alyssa. She's in the Middle East with our own girl. There's Caitlin, Alan, Joel, Caitlin and Joel, changing the world. Here we are in North Alabama, one of the areas spreading the gospel, serve the city. That serve the city, that's our Decatur Green Center. 
We're at Doors Frank. Here we are praying with the lady. There's our Lawrence County Dream Center. We have opportunities and the need is great. Go ahead and begin to show these couple of screens at a time here. I want you to look at our strategic partnerships very quickly. The Decatur Dream Center, the Lawrence County Dream Center, what does that mean to us? It's a place where we're feeding hungry people every week. The Decatur Dream Center has adopted the block and feeds people every first and third Saturday. The Lawrence County Dream Center does it every second and fourth Saturday. Children are brought. Children are taught. We have adult education, uh, ESL classes, uh, classes to help people get their GED, tutors from our church that work with Calhoun Community College. We have relationships. Adopt the block is the same person going out twice a month to the same neighborhood, knocking on the same door, adopting a block, taking ownership and saying, you care to me. I want to pray with you. It's changing our city of cities in North Alabama one block at a time. In those uh, recovery dream centers, we have a men's recovery ministry in Lawrence County and a women's recovery ministry in the Decatur Dream Center. You're going to hear from some of them during this month. And then we have connected with those Jesus and his friends. We're at Christmas time. You know that day we bring over 800 families in that to one of our Christmas productions and we give them food and we give the kids a thousand gifts. And it, it's life changing. It goes on and on. Fashion share. The mothers and the aunts and the grandmothers of those kids, bringing them in, loving on them, continuing to work faithfully in the same areas, being consistent and, and showing the love of Jesus, then serve the city. We've done the last two years. It's, it's amazing what's happening right here in North Alabama, but we don't stop. Let's go to the next one. We're connected with something called Chi Alpha. Do you know right now on the secular college, and I'm going to talk in fast. Is that okay? I'm going to talk fast. i got a lot to say. Chi Alpha is on the secular college campuses. It's a Christian outreach. Do you know right now 70% of the kids who graduate high school going to church are walking out of college four years later and they turn their backs on God? Colleges are stealing 70% of the Christian young people in America. The answer is not don't go to college. The answer is learn how to live for God in college. And these Chi Alpha ministries are doing that. There are now a revival happening on the college campuses of America. You want to hear about it on CNN or MSNBC or ABC or CBS or probably even Fox because it's not flashy. It's not people hating people and beating people and cursing people. It's people of every race and tongue and tribe praying together, kneeling together, being baptized in the pool at the college. There are college campuses now where Chi Alpha is having a thousand kids every week come and kneel and pray together that Jesus would break in on that college. The, the, the American universities are where the leaders of the world are trained. All the nations of the earth send their their prospective leaders to the American colleges. Strategically, we can change the nations of the world by that one ministry. Let's go on. Way FM, we find right here that Tom and Sue Ewing attend Calvary. Tom manages Way FM, a Christian nonprofit radio station here. FM, you're blessed by that. Spreading the gospel around North Alabama. Partnership. Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is a disaster relief ministry that comes in the name of Christ. Convoy of Hope is, is usually the first person on site anywhere in America and most places in the world where there's a disaster. This last week, the first week that Hurricane Harvey hit the Texas coast, uh, Convoy of Hope had 48 tractor trailer rigs on site before the government ever even was able to show up. Let me look at this picture. There's Vice President Pence leading a prayer. On the right of him is Governor Abbott of Texas. And would you look behind them? What does it say? Convoy 
of hope. That's one of their trucks that they used as the staging because they're the first in. We are a part of that convoy of hope touching. So let's let go to my next one. Uh, Israel. We are now uh, investing every month in Israel. The Bible says pray for the peace of Israel. It's the heart of God for Israel. We're with ministry sharing Christ uh, in Israel and helping uh, needy Israel, uh, people in Israel, showing them the love of God from the church. Venezuela is a, is a country now that's one of the most desperate countries in the world. There are 20,000 refugees leaving every hour. They have killed all the dogs and the horses and the animals they can find to eat, the rats. There, there, it's absolutely, you can't get into Venezuela now as an American, but because we've been there through Gary and Patty Heine, we're keeping an orphanage open with collective work and feeding children. It, it's a God moment in Venezuela. Let's go next. Project Rescue. One of the greatest things that has come to the attention, uh, in the last few years is a horrific, uh, problem of human trafficking, sex trafficking around the world. Project Rescue started doing this 20 years ago, rescuing women and their children out of sex trafficking, human trafficking, and slavery. It is one of the most powerful ministries on this planet to do that. I have been in India five times. I've seen it for myself. It began there. It's spreading in other areas. Through Project Rescue, we're, we're changing uh, just hundreds of lives there. Let's go to the next one. Latin American Child Care, we worked with them for years. Some of you are sponsoring the children. We built school, the school in Mexico. It's, it's, it's changing Latin America with that. It's now called Child Hope because it's gone beyond Latin America. Next one. And so we are in these places right now with our partners, Africa, Asia, Europe, Mexico, the Middle East, in the Arab world, South America, what we're doing, strategic partners. We are helping here in North Alabama and across Alabama to plant local churches. We are planting churches around the world, constructing those, training their ministers. I'll be in South Africa next month, and for we'll be in five cities in eight days, just a marathon. We have 10,000 pastors and leaders already registered to be in our training. We're raising the church up. That's just some of the things we do personally, but we're part of a much bigger thing here at Calvary. There are 7,000 unreached people groups. We're doing everything we can with all these partners and now rising right up out of our church like there should be. We've got Joel and Caitlin in Africa. Alyssa is in the Middle East. Our very own kids responding to this call. Our strategic partnerships are absolutely amazing. But the question is, let's thank God for that. It's, it's, it's incredible. But I want you to turn, just in the last few minutes, I want you to turn to Luke 14, verse 28. Luke 14, 28. Listen, can I be quite honest with you? What, what I'm sharing with you today is a lot of information, but this, this, this is not for the babies. This is for the big folks here today. You understand what I'm saying? This is, this is for people that, that, that care about what God cares about. They want to live their life at a higher level. That understand that God knows what we need to do and how we need to do it. And we're excited, God, that we get to be part of this. Let me, let me show you where this is headed here. All right? I want to talk about it for this month. We're, it, we're not going to get it done today. And the testimonies you're going to hear this month are going to, going to bless you. It, it, I'm just laying foundation today. All right? What is Kingdom Builders? Luke chapter 14. Look at verse 28. Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. You want to build something. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? 
What happens with this? What are we learning? God, we want to partner with these ministries locally and around the world. God, we want to do our part. We want to say yes to the big questions in life. We want our life to have meaning and impact. Lord, we want to be ready. We, we want to be proactive. We can't wait till every time there's a need and rush up and take an offering. <clears throat> How do we do this? We take offerings during the year, and they're strategic, and they're important. But, you know, we take one for Jesus and his friends. We take one to buy supplies for our construction projects. We take an offering for serve the city. What if we got ahead of all that, and, and we were funneling things into one deal? Instead of taking offering, 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 react, react, react. What if we had something that was a plan that we were ahead of the game on this thing? What if we began to simplify this for your prayer and your planning? Where you would know what God wanted you to do. And we could become proactive and targeted and do more for God together cooperatively than hit or miss, hit or miss. Because it's too important not to have a plan, not to be prepared, to be proactive, to be, to, to, to bring, I say it, to bring provision for the vision. How do we do that? See, you know what Kingdom Builders really is? It's our response to how do we reach more people more quickly around this planet? How do we reach more people more quickly from North Alabama to the ends of the earth. Because we saw in Scripture, that's the heart of God. He says, don't postpone it. Don't wait four months. We need to get this done rapidly. So let's look at how we can streamline this, how we can pray, how we can get positioned. Instead of taking all these separate offerings, what I want to explain during this month is the vision and the testimonies. You're going to be thrilled. It's, It's amazing what's happening. But what we could do, just on the edge of. So instead of trying to take all these separate offerings, what I want to do and begin to do, and I believe we're ready to respond. I believe we're here. It's our time. It's the right thing. That During this month, I want to explain this. And then when we come to October, I'm going to encourage you and give every one of us an opportunity to prayerfully have some time. I don't want to do your emotions. We're not going to take an offering today for them. Trying to teach us and build us. Can you say amen to that? It's not about emotions. It's about hearing and obedience and faith. It's about growing and developing. And in October, I'm going to give us a chance to respond and say, Pastor, I prayed. My family prayed. We've gotten together. This is important to us. And everybody wants to be involved. And, and this is what God's going to use us to do. We're going to make a pledge over the next 12 months that every year we'll give another opportunity to see what we want to do. We'll look at our projects. We'll see what the need is. We're going to be able to respond. And we'll be ahead of this thing instead of always running behind it. And we're going to be blessed to be part of that. See, what happens, this is what's going to begin to happen to us. We're going to begin to develop the ability to listen to God. God. What are you telling me and my family to do? God, what's my part in this? And as I listen and begin to recognize what God says, then I get the opportunity to be obedient to what God says. When I learn to be obedient to what God instructs me to do, I begin to watch this cycle of obeying and being blessed and obeying and being blessed and obeying and being blessed. You begin to walk your life out at a whole other level. It's going to be it's an amazing journey. Really, guys, it's a more mature and effective an excellent way to respond to the heart of God. Are we serious about the heart of God? Are we going to bring His kingdom? I'm so excited. We've been working and planning. This morning, in Calvary Kids, they're teaching them this. Tonight, in Elevate, they're going to hear about this. Can I tell you something that's stunning? Do, do you know the, that Convoy of Hope, 18-wheeler you saw using as the backdrop for the vice president and the governor of Texas? Do you know that some of those 18-wheelers were bought by students at churches like Calvary who gave to missions and bought those vehicles for them. 18-wheeler rigs. Teenagers. Everybody gets to grow up learning how to live a legacy lifestyle. 
It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I want to be quite frank with you, and we'll understand this during this time. This isn't tithe. This is an offering. This is over and above. It's not tithe. This is an offering. Tithe is what we bring in the storehouse. This is an offering to God. The tithe opens a window of heaven. An offering determines how wide the window of heaven comes open on you. A tithe opens a window. An offering determines the measure that comes down through that window on your life. Tithing is obedient giving. Offerings is generous giving. We get a chance to journey, man. It's exciting. Begin to see what happens when you get in that cycle with God. It's amazing. Our giving towards kingdom builders, that's what we're going to call this, faith fund, this response to God, will be with three areas will be included in this. All right? Global missions that I've showed you. Our partnerships from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, North Alabama, Alabama, U.S., and to the world. Global partnerships for mission. And then local church expansion. We have dream centers here that need attention. We have to expand the mother church so the daughter churches can stay healthy. How many understand that? So local church expansion. Right now, to be honest, I, I told you, we're having to say no too often. God has blessed our efforts. And right now, there are other campuses that are saying, Calvary, would you come take this campus and do on this campus what's happened at the Dream Center here in the Dream Center in Lawrence County? And right now, I say, we just can't get there yet, but we're coming. Hold on, we're coming. And around the world, local church expansion. Then the third thing I think is so critical. So what is it? Global missions, local church expansion, and developing future Christian leaders. Pastor, what is that? Oh, it's everything we're here for. Because this church is bigger than all of us in this building, and it's going to last longer than us. How many hear what I'm saying? And so what we're saying, we're, we're seeing next generation, our next-gen ministries at Calvary, doing what we want to do. We just commissioned Brock Cabillo to be our our, our, our uh, JV pastor, 21 years old. You know why? Because we got him ready sooner than anybody we've ever got ready soon to take that position. And Joel and Caitlin are in Zambia and Alyssa is, is, is in the Middle East. Why? Because what we're doing is working. And we've got to be ready to respond to the need that comes. So we want to prepare them. Global University, online ministry training, scholarships for that, uh, interns. We're, we are moving them along. It's an amazing place where we are. Let me end with this and tell you something that you might not know. A few weeks ago, Mondo de la Vega was here and said, I've come to thank you, Calvary. Some of you knew the story and some of you didn't. It's too important not to know. And I'll end with this. It's the power of what I'm talking about. It's the potential of what a kingdom builder's stream of income, provision for the vision that can happen. About 20 years ago, I left on a Monday morning, Phyllis and I, to fly to Arizona to Pastor Tommy Barnett's pastor school. I've always tried to stretch myself and grow and find mentors that will challenge my faith and increase my vision and not let me think I'd done everything God wanted me to do. At that point in time, Calvary is the largest church in Decatur, so I would bring our leaders out to Phoenix so they could see something bigger. You know, let's keep looking at something bigger. Let's keep expanding. And on that Monday, I got a call, man. I was so pumped. They said, Pastor. Someone put a $10,000 check in the offering. And I was like, whoa, I mean, I would never. We were young, and now we're not quite as young as we were 20 years ago. But everybody, and you know, we just a bunch of young families doing their best. Everybody kind of on the same place. And, man, a $10,000 check was like a $100,000 check. At that point in time, I was like, oh, my goodness. So this is what that feels like. I'd never had one of those big things given to church. Man, I was just, oh, thank you, God. And I was praising God. And I'm at the pastor school in conference, and Phyllis and I are happy, and, and uh, I'm sitting there, and they're sharing the vision of the Dream Center in Los Angeles, which had captured my heart. 
And I was just thinking, God, what a great idea. Man, I'd love for us to do that in Decatur. And we've begun to talk about it. I'm sitting there, and they're taking an offering for the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And you know what happened? God said, George? I said, yes, sir. You know that check? Yes, sir. I said, ooh. That's not for Calvary. That's for the Los Angeles Dream Center. I was like, oh, Jesus. I meant the ink would dry on the check yet. I hadn't even got to see it yet. I mean, largest check had ever been given. I was, I never got to see it. He said, you give it to the Dream Center. I gulped and said, yes, sir. So I wrote there on an envelope. I said, don't have it with me, but you'll have it at the end of the week. Flew back home and went to the person who had given it. I thought that was the honest, integral thing to do. And I said, this is what God told me. Man, and this is the kind of people that God blesses. They said, Pastor, you don't have to tell me that. I gave that to God. And when I took my hand off, it was God's. You do whatever God tells you to do. There are no strings on that. That's God's money. Do what you feel like God said. I talked to our board. I said, guys, let me tell you what's happened this week. And they said, Pastor, go for it. Do what God tells you. So Saturday night, I'm feeling pretty good. I said, yes. Boy, that was my largest, you know, measure. And God just challenged me at my biggest point. I said, okay, we did it. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm praying about Sunday morning. The Holy Spirit tasked me. I said, oh, boy, here we go. And he says, you know that check? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, that's only one person. I said, you're right about that. He said, well, what about everybody else at Calvary? They didn't get to give towards this Dream Center offering. This is, this is something from Calvary. I said, so you want me to have everybody give? He said, yes. I said, okay. That's what we'll do. So I got up Sunday morning, and I told everybody what I just told you. And I said, end of the month, 30 days from now, we're going to take a one-time cash offering to match this, to invest it in the Dream Center. We want a Dream Center here. We don't have one. God told us we all need to be a part of this. I said, okay. We came the last Sunday of that month. Phyllis and I have talked about it. Our leaders have. I'll never forget it. Probably one of the greatest moments I've ever been in my life where I was in a place where just the spirit of giving came on the church. It was holy. People walked to the front weeping, giving their money. Their children with them crying. I was like, man. You know, I thought, Lord, maybe we could match that 10000 You know, what if we had in that one time offer, we could give 10000 everybody together, it'd be twenty. would not that be great? Or maybe a little more, you know, I mean, maybe 20000 it'd be 30. So the next morning, you know, Monday morning, I'm, come on, come on, come on, I want to know what it is. And I'm going to the financial office, they just counting and counting, like, good grief, counting and counting. Come on, tell me, what is it? They said, Pastor, that offering was $70,000. One time, yeah, give God one time cash offering. <clears throat> So we put the 10. That's $80,000. So I called Pastor Barnett. I said, Pastor Barnett, I got some good news. He goes, what? I said, we've got a check we want to give you for the Dream Center. I know I pledged the 10000 but it's more than that. He said, well, do you mind me asking how much? I said, no, sir. It's $80,000. One of the first times I've ever heard. Tommy Barnett, go quiet. And it's quiet on the end of the phone. He says, I would have fly out there personally and received it. I said, come on, let's do this thing. So we were excited about giving. We'd made one of those big checks. You know how you get the big thing printed. It's about that big. We'd give it to Pastor Barnett, you know, 80000 We're just celebrating. It's like on a Tuesday night. wasn't even a regular night. Church is full. Just, just people just hilarious about giving. And all of a sudden, a guy stands up. It was a Tuesday night. I wasn't planning another offering. He goes, hey, Pastor, I didn't get a chance to give any offering. He says, okay, let's take an offering. $5,000 more dollars come in that night. I told Pastor Barnett, if you don't get out of here, there won't be any money left in the church for another six years. Go, go. Take the money and go. <clears throat> what I didn't know, and what Mondo came and told us 20 years later, I want you to get this church family. 
This is what I've taught. This is kingdom building. This is what's supposed to happen more than once every 20 years. Are you with me? He comes back here to this church. You were here. He said, I want to say thank you because what we didn't know. And Mondo told me, Pastor, at the moment that was given, the Dream Center was, was just barely staying alive. It, it, the, the finance was, it was such a huge step of faith. And when that came in, it stabilized the whole Dream Center. Not only that, he said, the building that I came to live in, and then a man named Jim Baker that many of you know about who colossally failed, but has been restored by the grace of God. And I'm thankful for restoration because we all need that in our life. The building that was named after us in, in the L.A. Dream Center to honor what happened. That's not why we did it. We didn't know it was going to happen. But that building name, why? Because at a strategic moment, an offering changed a whole ministry and the two men there. And he said, that place is where God restored Jim Baker, who now has another television network. And it heard me say, my dream is not to make a million dollars. It's to see a million souls come in the kingdom of God. That's my dream. That's my passion. And he said, Pastor, I want to tell you, and I'll never forget the feeling. He said, I want to look you in the face and tell you what that offering did that your church gave at that strategic moment in the Dream Center. And for me and for Jim Baker that changed our life, Pastor, your dream to see a million people come to Christ has far gone beyond that now because of what that one offering did in the life of millions of people. Millions of people. I want you to look at somebody next to you and say millions. Say that word. Tell them that. Millions. I'm not talking dollars. I'm talking souls in the kingdom of God. Say it one more time. Millions. Now, here's it, and I'm closing. Get this with me. Maybe you don't write the $10,000 check. Or maybe you can. See, that's the cool thing about kingdom building. Or maybe you can write a $100,000 check. Maybe all you can do is put a dollar in. But with the 10000 that started and saying yes to God, and I still to this day don't know how $70,000 came in that offering. I have no idea. 20 years ago how that happened, I have no idea. But you know what happened? Everybody said yes. Everybody got the heart of God. Everybody recognized, I've got to, I'm taking ownership in this moment. And it literally shifted some of the biggest ministries that are there today, that are happening today. Here's the news for you and me. We can do that on a regular basis. When we understand we've got a vehicle now with kingdom builders where we become proactive and we get ahead of this thing. And we sit down and we pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? And, and isn't it good? See, I, I'm not going to take an offering today. It's, it's not about that. It's about you and I getting ready to understand everything God has for us. God can position us to go far beyond. Here's what I want to say. And I can say this without any hesitation because there's no ulterior motive. Not, we're not taking an offering today. Would you listen to me? I felt this in my spirit. There's some of, and everybody's been there at some time. You're praying right now, God, I must get out of this cycle of lack and poverty. I have to get out of this. Not enough. I've got to break out of this debt. Do you know it's these things that have changed my life over the years, that have been opportunities that took Phyllis and I from, from being in Bible college, both of us working full-time and me going to college full-time, and our, our, our both of us working, we made $800 a month. Not a week. A month, and we made it. It's the miracles I've seen God do with every building we've built and everything we've done. It's that, it's that seed we sowed and gave all of our money away, but we wanted a dream center. And now we have two dream centers that were both given to us debt-free with the deed in our hand. Why? Because someone said yes to God. Yeah, I mean, 
this is a cycle of blessing and fruitfulness and ministry that pulls us out of a place of doing a little. And if everyone says yes to God, changes everything. And what I shared with you becomes a regular occurrence. How many want to see us do that in Calvary? I believe our time. I want you to stand with me. Pastor Joy, come. Let's pray an important prayer before you leave today. Please, let's pray this again. Thank you for letting me share the beginning of Kingdom Builders. I want to tell you the rest of this month is going to, as the old timer used to say, bless your socks off. It's going to be amazing. You're going to be so blessed and encouraged. Your vision expands. Your concept expands. God's stretching us. How many feel stretched a little bit today? Can you, is that, you know, how many might feel like you're, 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 but you're a little looking forward to God? What are you going to do next? That's right where we ought to be. That's one of the most exciting ways to live your life. I can't wait to see what God will do. I want you to bow your head with me just for, for 60 seconds. Not because this is unimportant. It's the most important. But I want to move right to it and respect your time. While we're here today, maybe you've, stood, you've sat there and said, Man, I want to have a life of purpose. I want to have meaning. Pastor, I want, you know, I want to live my life with no regrets. I want to get to the end of my life, and, and I want to live a life that someone could follow and I'd be proud of. I'm not sure I'm there today. We can do something about that right now. Right now. Right where you are. I want you just to take this moment with you and God. Our heads are bowed. We're going to give you privacy. This should be the thing we're proudest of in our whole life, to run stand in front of everybody. But I want to give you a moment with you and the Lord. And you're here, you say, Pastor, I want to make that commitment to God today. I'm tired of serving Him when it's convenient, in and out, back and forth. I want to go all in. I want to give Him my life. I want to make a difference. I want to be a person that I can be proud of and that I can bless someone. I get it. I want it. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? That's all I'll ask you to do today. Say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, you've seen our hands and our hearts. God, today is so important for our church, for the future, for our children, for our young leaders, for the millions of people around this world crying for answers. We get to be the answer to their prayer. Oh, God, our life really matters. With all the things we've lost in life and the mistakes we've made, God, you would give us this opportunity. We're just thankful and overwhelmed. You've been so good to us. So, Lord, today, you saw the hands that were raised and the hearts behind those hands. Lord, I pray with them today. They just come to you and say, Jesus, I confess every sin. I let go of the things that have kept me from you. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to come live in my heart. And come in by the power of the Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross for me. And so I confess my sins and ask you to forgive me and change me. Set me free and deliver me. Give me purpose in my life. Connect me with who you are. And thank you for the opportunity to begin to live a life I can be proud of and thankful for. Lord, I surrender everything to you today. I confess you as Savior and Lord of my life. I give you everything, all the good and the bad. I give you all the past, the present, the future. Today, in Jesus' name. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I bless them today, Father. I celebrate their decision. Lord, I declare the beginning of the best part of their life right now. 
Lord, over this church family, we want to be kingdom builders. We want to live bigger than ourselves. We want to be prepared. We want to be in front of this thing, God. You said the harvest is everywhere. You just can't get it to them. So, Lord, we want to do our part. We can't do it all, but we can do our part. We've seen little glimpses of how far it goes when we just say yes. The desires of our heart greater than we can imagine. So, Lord, give us a heart that says yes. Let us be obedient and generous. Let us not be afraid to say yes to you, God. I pray that we step things to a whole other level. And it changes all of our lives for the good and for your glory. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you would choose us and include us in your purpose on this planet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.